All right. Well, good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Awesome. Hey, my name is Chris. I'm the site pastor here at our Brader Way location, and it is so good to be with all of you today. Uh, today is the second week in our Advent series that leads all the way up to Christmas. And so today I thought it would be fun together to be able to do one of my favorite Christmas traditions and that is baking Christmas cookies together. Does that sound good to you guys? You guys up for that? Let me just grab a few things, starting with my trusty apron. What do you guys think? Not, not bad, right? I was going to wear my Packers one, but we'll save that for tomorrow night. Let me get a few supplies ready. Um, in our house with a four and a seven-year-old, they love baking, and so it's fun to experience this with them. Uh, but there's always the question of like, what kind of cookies are we going to make? Like the ones with the chocolate stars in the middle or gingerbread cookies or cutout cookies. Um, even with cutout cookies, like there's this fierce debate in my family between my wife and I. Like, what about you guys? Do you put more of a glaze, like an icing on top or like a thicker frosting? I'm, I'm definitely team frosting on this one. Apologies to my wife and her side of the family. I see a few fists raised in the air. Solidarity, there you go. So a uh, question for us is like, well, even just in this room, but all sites and all venues, like there's probably hundreds of different holiday baking recipes that we use. So how are we going to decide what to make? Well, why don't why choose, right? Like, let's just make one massive creation. And I thought it could be fun to use some of my kids' favorite ingredients. So this could get interesting, but let's try it. Um, all right, so we need some flour. Gotta have like a little bit of a base. It's gonna get more fun from here. Goldfish, this is like the main kind of snack, go-to thing in our family. Let's just put that down here. And then uh, can't you can't, you have to have mac and cheese, right? So let's just put that in there. I realized I accidentally bought spirals, which would never fly for my kids, but there you go. That's fine for now. Um, let's, get a little, let's get a little healthier. So applesauce, another go-to. That's like what, like an oil substitute or something? That can work. Uh, veggie straws. We're almost there. We've almost got like all of our main food ingredients, uh, all the main uh, uh, things on the food pyramid. What do you guys think? More? Should we put more things in? Um, we need some sweet. We got some savory M&Ms. Got to have M&Ms. All right. Sprinkle some of those. We got white chocolate chips. Oh, we need, we need some sauce. What do you guys think? Should we do chocolate syrup or ranch? Both! I like the way you think. There we go. Let's just put some of that. And as long as we're talking sauces, like, we need um, the secret sauce. Chick-fil-A sauce. You can get it at Target now. You can never leave home without it. So let's just put some of that in there. And, uh, all right, I think we're almost good. Top it off with some sprinkles. All right. This, uh, well... I forgot, an important part of Christmas baking, you gotta like test the ingredients, right? Make sure everything's okay. So let's just mix this up a little bit. All right. Well, I don't know how this is gonna turn out, but what do you think? Anybody wanna do a taste test right now? Any, vol any volunteers? Wait, wait, oh, I forgot something. This might change your mind. What about now? There we go. Anybody, taste test after that? No, this is, this looks, this looks terrible. It's going to start to smell soon. So 
why am, I, why am I doing this? This is literally a recipe for disaster. But hang with me for just a second. Because I think that life sometimes is a little bit like this. We throw a bunch of random ingredients in our life into a bowl and we hope that it makes for a life of peace and contentment. So throw in different relationships, different career, different hobbies, different pursuits, different activities, different ways of spending our finances. We mix it all together and we hope for the best. But usually instead of feeling peace and contentment, we just feel we feel like this mixing bowl of different hopes and dreams and striving and aspirations mixed with grief and sorrow and loss and all of these different kinds of things. It feels anything but peaceful. And our world, it actually conspires against our ability to have peace because we're constantly told that we need to buy more things, we need more things. We're fed a constant diet of fear by the news. We're told that we need to be anxious about our kids and our finances and our retirement accounts and politics. And there's forces like actively at work in the world trying to get us to fear one another and to divide us. The world often feels anything but peaceful. But this time of year, this is supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year, right? Full of love and joy and peace and all of those different kinds of things. But often it just feels full of like busyness and striving and trying to go all around to get all the different Christmas presents that everyone needs. We got to get to all the different Christmas parties, make sure we have everything for Christmas dinner. And there's like uh, airports and traffic jams to navigate to get home. And by the time we get there, we're, we're navigating complex like family dynamics and difficult relationships. And finally, we, we make it up to Christmas Eve and to Christmas and we just feel exhausted, maybe even frustrated, right? Because we know that this isn't what this season is supposed to be about, but it's easy to just get swept up in all of it. But what if, what if it didn't have to be like that? What if there was another way, a different recipe of sorts that might be more conducive to a life of peace and contentment? There's this passage at the beginning of Luke 2. It's this famous Christmas passage that we read every single year, and it goes like this. So suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So what do we do about that? If this is what this season is supposed to be all about, then why do we often not experience this kind of peace? And if it's actually possible, like what could that sort of life look like? What is that kind of peace that they're talking about? I think one thing is clear, like this recipe is not working for us. We got to just throw this thing out again. It's, it looks nasty. It's going to start to smell. But if peace and experiencing God's peace is indeed possible here and now, then what could that look like? And what are the sorts of ingredients that could make for a life of peace and contentment? That's what we're going to dig into today. And the hope is by the end to get super practical and give us a couple tools and a couple resources, even over the next few weeks, to be able to experience glimpses of God's peace. So if we're going to do that, it would be helpful to know, like, what, what is the Bible talking about when it talks about peace? So if you have your Bibles or a device, you can open them up. Otherwise, they'll be on the screen as well. But we're just going to fly through a couple mentions of peace 
in the New Testament. Here's the first one from the Gospel of John. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. All right, that's Jesus. Like, of course he can talk about peace. What about, what about someone else? How about the Apostle Paul? Paul says this. He says, in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So that's just a couple examples, but we get the idea, right? There seem to be a lot of promises or at least assurances of peace being thrown around. So again, what do we do with the fact that our own sense of peace often feels so fleeting? And what exactly is it that Jesus and Paul are talking about? Well, it doesn't look like they're talking about like world peace or the absence of conflict in our relationships, even for those of us that follow Jesus. We live in a broken world and that kind of peace is only going to come when Jesus comes and he restores the earth and makes all things new. In fact, in that John passage, Jesus actually tells us this. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. Things aren't always going to feel peaceful. So if not that, then what are Jesus and Paul talking about? There's uh, this word in the New Testament that occurs in both of these passages. The word for peace is erene. And uh, it can mean peace, rest, or quietness, or one, one Greek dictionary says that it's a state of freedom from anxiety and inner turmoil. That sounds amazing, right? Like, sign me up for that. So what Jesus and Paul seem to be talking about is that we can have this internal kind of peace that comes because Jesus has repaired the relationship between human beings and God. And now we have full access to the God who is peace. More than that, Paul says in Galatians that the spirit of God who is peace lives inside of us. So we don't have to like muster up this sense of peace. We don't have to find it in external places or in external ingredients because the God who is peace lives and dwells inside of us. We have unlimited access to that. So again, they're not talking about uh, having world peace or even the absence of conflict in our lives. But I also don't think they're talking about like some sort of unemotional, non-reactive equilibrium where we feel stable at all times. I'm well aware that passages like those are often used to make people with anxiety in particular feel like they're sinning if they have anxiety. Or like if they just had more faith that maybe that would go away. But I just want to put that to rest right now. Because of the broken world that we live in, we're all going to experience the ups and the downs of life and things that can bring anxiety and fear and different kinds of emotions. A relationship that ends, a, a job that you get released from, or a health diagnosis. Even this week or within the last maybe month or two, some of you got a phone call or received a MyChart message that just like completely turned your world upside down. It's unfortunately just a part of living in this broken world that is not yet as it should be. And it's perfectly normal to have different reactions to that kind of news, to those different kinds of things going on in our lives. 
Even Jesus, the scriptures say, experienced the full breadth of human emotion, including bitter grief and anger and sorrow and even anxiety. It says that on the cross, he was full of anguish and he sweat drops of blood. So having peace isn't about like not having any reactions to the different things going on in our lives. It's not about being stable at all times, but it's about returning to God in the midst of those things and finding peace in him, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the conflict, in the midst of the anxiety, because we won't perfectly experience God's peace here and now until Jesus comes again. This is both the tension and the hope that we have in this Advent season. So how do we do that? How do we return to him in the midst of the circumstances that we're facing and experience glimpses of his peace? Because we need a new recipe, right? So for our recipe today, we're going to actually go back to the more full passage from Philippians 4 that we just looked at and the Apostle Paul. So turn with me, if you are following along, to Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 4 through 9. He says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So uh, those of you that have been around for a little while, you know that we just finished a series in the book of Philippians just a few weeks ago. So it wasn't that long ago that we preached uh, on parts of this passage. But if you missed it or, um, or maybe forgot, a reminder that Paul is writing these words from prison, right? He's someone who has experienced shipwreck. He's been stranded on an island. He has been beaten to within inches of his life. He's pleaded with God to take away certain physical ailments that he has. He's experienced nakedness and famine and violence. And yet, he's able to say these kinds of things. It's amazing. Clearly, he's someone who has experienced the peace of God, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. So how does he do it? What are the ingredients. Well, the first thing to point out, because it's so foundational to everything else that will come, is this. He gives all of these different things, different things to focus on, different things to do. And then verse 9, he finishes by saying, the God of peace will be with you. So the first thing to note is that we can have peace because the God of peace is with us. This isn't so much an ingredient as it is Paul reminding us that like if any of this is going to work, any of the ingredients that we're about to talk about in just a minute, like they're powerless unless we have like a star baker or a master chef in the room. We need him working alongside of us to use these ingredients to help us experience his peace. Without the God of peace in the room, without him in the kitchen, this is all Hopeless, but thankfully, Paul reminds us that he is indeed with us and we have full access. 
to him. So if we return to the passage and start to look at some of the individual ingredients, when we look at verse 6, Paul gives us the first ingredient. I'm paraphrasing, but he says, don't be anxious, but pray. So the first ingredient is prayer. And we're going to camp out on this one for a little bit because I think it's so central to the rest of what Paul is going to talk about. And I love, especially in that last passage, how for Paul, prayer is one of the most powerful tools we have for dealing with anxiety. And in my own life, I've experienced just how true that is over the last few years in particular. Prior to COVID, I probably wouldn't say that I experienced any sort of like significant anxiety in any way. But then, whether because of just the pressures of raising two young kids or increasing job responsibilities, or like managing a global pandemic, that probably had something to do with it, right? I started to experience pretty regular anxiety to the extent that today is something that I deal with pretty much on a daily basis. I'm constantly in tune with the ebbs and flows of anxiety in my own life and paying attention to that for the sake of my own spiritual and emotional health. And I've, I've learned a lot about what that looks like in me. Like when I start to feel anxious, I know it's coming when my chest sort of starts to tighten up. Maybe I'm not taking uh, deep breaths. I'm not breathing as deeply as I usually do. I might start to shut down with those around me or get reactive <laughs> with those around me. Or I start to like play certain conversations over and over in my mind. Like, I wonder what they think about me in the midst of that thing. But the thing that's so dangerous for me about experiencing anxiety is that there's nothing more powerful that prevents us from experiencing God's peace. Steve Cuss, the author of Managing Leadership Anxiety, which is a book that I cannot more highly recommend if anxiety is something that you deal with, um, he says this. He says that anxiety blocks our awareness of God. It makes us believe a lie and it keeps us from encountering grace. So in other words, anxiety like blinds us to the ways that God is present with us and the ways that he's active and working in our lives. So while I don't want to minimize the role of counselors and even medication when it comes to dealing with anxiety, those can be really important things. For me, prayer has been such a powerful tool because it reminds me that God is with me and he's in control. I know that in the midst of experiencing anxiety, that if I can just take a step back for just a moment, breathe deeply, and pray that I can find a way out of that endless loop of anxiety that we sometimes find ourselves in. Again, why? Because I'm reminded as I pray that God is with me and he cares about me. So all that sounds great. You're like, great, Chris, that works for you, right? Um, but in full disclosure, the weeks leading up to giving this talk, well, they felt anything but peaceful in a lot of ways. Um, we had sick kids, anybody else, probably everyone else that has kids is dealing with that right now. It's like, is it the same virus? Is it a different one? Uh, or there were things in our extended family, some health things that were causing stress and anxiety, some hard conversations that needed to be had. And then Brewers manager Craig Council goes and signs with the Chicago Cubs, right? Like, how am I supposed to have, yeah, don't clap for that. That's not good. <laughs> Pastor Chris was texting me as I'm trying to prepare for this message, like, hey, did you see the news? I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to write a message on peace. Can you, can you back off a little bit? 
But all joking aside, even just the daily things of like managing a family's schedule and all the kids' activities and all those different sorts of things, they all began to pile on to the extent that I was like wondering like, am I, am I the right person to give this talk? Do I need to like pull the cord on this and uh, call an emergency and someone else steps in, right? It didn't feel like a peaceful few weeks at all. But in the midst of that, I felt like God was kind of quietly nudging me like, go on, like, go and practice these things that you are about to preach. And so I tried to do this. I tried to return to him in prayer in the midst of the chaos and the anxiety and do some of these other ingredients that I'll talk about in a second. And honestly, yeah, sometimes I would pray and then it felt like immediately there was relief and calm and all those sorts of things. And then other times, maybe most of the time, not so much. Sometimes for me, prayer is an exercise in hope and faith that despite my current circumstances and the way that I feel and my anxiety and all these different things, that it won't always be like this, that God is indeed near me, he's with me, and that I won't always feel like this. But for me, experiencing God's peace, it's kind of a daily battle. It's a daily thing, but it's these things, these ingredients that have brought the most help and the most comfort and peace in my life. All right, the second ingredient that uh, we'll talk about also comes from verse 6, and Paul says that it's gratitude or thanksgiving. There was this study that came out several years ago from the National Science Foundation that found that people have upwards of 60,000 thoughts a day. That's a lot of thoughts, right? But, but get this, they said that 80% of those thoughts are negative. And 95% of those thoughts that people have from day to day are the same thoughts that they have day after day after day. That's crazy, right? Like, just stop and think about that for a second. No pun intended. I guess that's 60,001 thoughts for the day, right? But it doesn't exactly sound for a recipe for a life of peace and contentment, dwelling on these negative thoughts day after day after day. But what if we could flip the script on that? Again, what if there was another way? Instead of dwelling on these same negative thoughts, these same worries day after day after day, that we actually find ways to come to God in gratitude and worship for the ways that he's present with us and the things that he's doing in our lives in both big ways and small ways. I call this habitual gratitude. Uh, and it's something that I've been trying to practice in my own life over the last few months before I ever knew that I was going to be giving this message because I felt like it was something that I deeply needed. And it's really, honestly, it's helped to be able to experience God's peace and his nearness to me and even just joy and wonder and those kinds of things. Admittedly, when I first started practicing it, it felt forced, it felt not natural at all, it even felt a little bit cheesy. But as time went on, after a few weeks, I would find these thoughts of just joy and gratitude rising up in me from out of nowhere, seemingly, that I wasn't stopping intentionally to be grateful for different things or to make a list, but they just kept coming out of nowhere. And Paul testifies to this reality, too, that when we slow down and we pray and we choose gratitude, that verse 7 will find the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So again, when we find ways 
to slow down and to be attentive to the things that he's doing in our lives, we find that peace often follows closely behind. Now, I said earlier that we wanted to get super practical, and so there's, uh, I want to do that right now. What could it actually look like when it comes to gratitude or to prayer to actually experience uh, God and his peace through prayer, through gratitude? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give us a tool, a way of praying that can help with that. Uh, there's a rich Christian tradition of people pairing their prayers with breathing. And now I'm not talking about like mindfulness or some sort of new age practice or that kind of thing, but this is something that our church mothers and fathers have been doing since as early as the third century. And it's something that even today, many Christian traditions continue to utilize in a really rich way. I'm talking about praying Bible grounded prayers that are centered on God and directed to him that help us to slow down and experience God's peace in the midst of everything swirling around us. Because in God's wisdom, he designed the human body so that as we slow down and breathe and pray, it can help to slow down our heartbeat. It tells our central nervous system, like despite whatever's happening around us, that we are going to be okay. And so many of us live at such a frantic pace that we just need things like that in our lives to be able to slow down and to be in tune with the presence of God. So before we wrap up, I actually want to try that. I know that this is a little bit different for some of us, right? But if you feel comfortable, I want to try that with a verse from 1 Peter 5, 7. So in the quietness of your own heart, we're just going to take some deep breaths in and out. And as you breathe in, I want us to pray this, that I give you my worries and cares for you care for me. Again, it's coming from this verse from 1 Peter Five, seven. So let me lead us in that. So breathe in. I give you my worries and cares. And breathe out. For you care for me. Try that again. Breathe in. I give you my worries and cares. And breathe out. For you care for me. This is something that you can repeat over and over just to slow yourself and to quiet yourself and experience God's presence. Or you can try inserting different passages, different prayers. But for me, I found that this is a rich way to be able to experience God's peace. All right, one last time. We can have peace because the God of peace is with us. But even as I say it one more time, it just sounds, it sounds too simple, right? It sounds trite. It sounds cliche. Like, uh, of course, like that's the Jesus answer. Like, just do that and, and that'll help you to experience peace. And I get it because even Paul in that passage that we went through, he says that this peace, it transcends all understanding. It's mysterious. It doesn't really make sense, right? Yet as a parent of two young kids, I've seen just how true this phenomenon can be in my own life. And here's one example. Uh, there's this piercing sound that without fail happens in the middle of the night. And it's the arch nemesis of parents everywhere. And I'm talking, of course, about the smoke detector going off in the middle of the night for absolutely no reason, right? And for one of our kids in particular, it's like this incredibly traumatic experience. There's no way that they're going to go back to sleep after that thing goes off at like 3 a.m. Unless their mom or dad is with them. 
Without us, like not a chance. They're going to continue to stare at that little thing, that little green or red dot on the ceiling until like just waiting for it to go off again or just waiting for daylight and some relief. But with us in the room, holding them close, it changes everything. It doesn't change their circumstances. It actually doesn't change the fact that they're still in the room with the smoke detector. It could still go off at any second, but because we are with them, they are able to experience peace and rest and even fall back asleep. So you guys, I don't know what you're going through in this season or what you will go through leading up to Christmas in these next few weeks. And I know that it sounds mysterious. It sounds cliche. It sounds too simple but God is with you in the room. He's holding on to you. And because of that, you can have peace. So that's my prayer for all of us today here at Black Hawk Church. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. May the Lord of peace be with you. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for this opportunity in the midst of a busy season. Um, I know for me and my family, uh, that is certainly the case. But thank you to be able just to pause and together to worship you, to gather together, to even if we're worshiping together online, just create space to pause and to be aware of your presence in our lives and how it is that you're working. God, when you are in the room with us, which the Bible says is always, you are always here, God, it changes everything. So help us to be in tune with the reality of your presence with us and for us. Jesus, come down to us in the flesh at Christmas time. We worship you, Emmanuel, God with us. So we love you, we worship you. Would you bring peace to our lives? Help us to experience you afresh this Christmas season. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.